G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. G'day and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Matt G's with you. And just a reminder that you can hear the full program of 2020 every weekday on the Vision Radio Network in the West from 8, in Queensland from 10 and in the Eastern Daylight Saving States from 11am. My guest today is Reverend Robert Benn. And when you think about the heritage of Australia and the impact that the Christian church has had on it, you can't help but think of the man who was featured on our $20 note, Reverend John Flynn. It is through Flynn that the Australian Inland Mission was formed. It was through Flynn that the pedal power wireless was invented and used extensively to connect people in the outback. And it was through Flynn that what we now know as the Royal Flying Doctor Service, something uniquely Australian, was also formed. But you know what, these things barely scratch the surface of the character of the Reverend John Flynn and former Moderator General of the Presbyterian Church in Australia, Reverend Robert Benn, has been researching extensively Flynn's life and history and I've been chatting to him over the past couple of days about what he's discovered. Robert, where we left off last time, we were talking about the formation of the Australian Inland Mission. We got up to the point where you were looking at the way that Flynn had been appointed to be the first superintendent of the Australian Inland Mission. There's a lot still to come in Flynn's history. What happened next? Where did he start? Right. Well, the first at the assembly in 1912, Flynn said to the assembly, the failure of the church as a whole to reach our outposts is our shame. Never can health be manifested fully in our home congregations until faithfulness marks our frontier policy. Now, with that in mind and being appointed as the superintendent, he then went to work, and frankly, most of the time, he was responding to tragedy. And so a tragedy would happen at a certain place, and people began to know that there was one man in Australia who would respond to that tragedy, and his name was John Flynn. Mm. I'll tell you about one of those tragedies if you like. Absolutely. Okay, Jimmy Darcy. Jimmy Darcy of Halls Creek, 1917. Fell off his horse early in the morning. His mates came out to find him. He was hurt, so they decided to take him to Fitzroy Crossing, a rugged trip in a springless cart. When he got there, the telegraph operator, whose name was Fred Tuckett, uh, who was only trained in first aid, was via Morse code instructed as to how to conduct a seven-hour operation with a pocket knife, a razor blade and Condi's crystals. No anaesthetic. Before Dr. Holland got up from Perth, and this is looking at about 20 days later, I think, uh, one day before Dr. Holland arrived, Jimmy Darcy died. And Dr. Holland's response was, this should never have happened. We must get medical care here. And furthermore, he said, I'll never come again unless I come by aeroplane. Now, it was all of that that was related back to John Flynn. Within a very short time, there was a cottage hospital there. There was a sister by the name of uh, Sister Rogarth. And there was all the things that happened because 
a godly woman was brought into the situation. Now there's a Sunday school, now there's medical care, now there's a tennis club, now there's a garden. Now there's fellows beginning to be able to be beginning to be able to relate to a white woman. All of those things because John Flynn responded to a call from that locality following a tragedy. That is one of many, many tragedies to which Flynn responded and consequently Cottage hospitals were going up all over the place. Robert, is this response to tragedy where that terminology of a mantle of safety came out of? Actually, the the mantle of safety terminology was introduced in 1926 when John Flynn was, frankly, in a state of a real measure of tension with the board because they couldn't keep up with his vision. So he went up to Alice Springs to finish the hospital and it was during the course of the the finishing of the hospital and then the establishing of Alice Springs as the very first experimental wireless station that the mantle of safety terminology was created. We shall cast a mantle of safety over the inland. So that was 1926. That was nearly 10 years after the Jimmy Darcy uh, tragedy. And over the time that John Flynn had worked in the uh, the area of Outback Mission, he'd looked at a, a number of different things. His vision just seemed to continue. This this man of God had this passion for people and, and reaching the people, not just with uh, his faith and not just with uh, evangelism, but also, obviously, as we've explored so far, with health care and welfare as well. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, remember back in 1912, he was dreaming... Um, aerial medical service. Uh, Qantas wasn't off the ground by then. In fact, it was another about 13 or 14 years before Qantas got off the ground. But, of course, he dreamed about this and wondered about the possibility of aerial medical service so that he could get lonely people to hospitals and doctors out to them. And so working hand-in-hand with Hudson Fish, who was another visionary, Uh, he was able to develop the aerial medical service. But then there was a problem also that he had to face, and that was the question of communication. And that's where Alf Traeger comes into the picture. In round about 1926 or 7 or 8, and Alf Traeger, uh, who was an absolute whiz at uh, ham radio and crystal sets and so on, eventually developed what became known as the pedal wireless, and it went from Morse code eventually in about 1932 to voice communication. Because Flynn said, we must have voice communication because Saltbush Bill can't spell, mm. which isn't very good for Morse code. And so, and so as he's dreaming about all of these things, uh, all the spiritual work, all the work relating to literature, the cottage hospitals and so on, he is always asking how to improve the ministry, how to improve it, as many, many people came on board and many visionaries worked with him until, in 1928, the aerial medical service was off the ground. Now, Flynn uh, was not immune to to some of the pressures of of loneliness and and also uh, later in life health concerns. Um, Flynn did marry, didn't he? He did. He married uh, his secretary, Jean Baird, in 1932. And it's fascinating the way he announced his engagement. He said, I had tested Miss Baird's, Miss Baird's attitude towards a transfer from the secretarial chair to more varied interstate activities. Miss Baird agreed that the most satisfactory way in which she might render this wider service was under my name. 
And that's fairly creative as a as an engagement announcement, isn't it? It certainly is. It, yeah. It's sort of a, I mean, even for the time, it sounds a little bit unusual. Yeah. Well, Flynn was an unusual fellow. <laughs> so Gene, in fact, travelled with him quite a bit of the time. And he poured everything he was and everything he had into this Christian ministry. He died a pauper. Flynn's marriage, yeah. We don't hear a lot about Flynn's uh, life outside of the, the ministry that he was doing. So he was married um, and then eventually died uh, tragically from cancer, yes. of all things, and yes. not even being able to uh, reach old age, as they say. So what are some of the other nuances of John's personal life that maybe we don't always hear? We don't hear a lot about his prayer life, but when you dig deeply, you find that he was a man of great prayer. Secondly, he was an incredible recruiter of personnel. The 354 nursing sisters came on board during his lifetime to work in the cottage hospitals. Pilots, ground staff, nursing staff in terms of uh, boundary riders. Uh, He was outstanding at relating to people. Of course, he was Irish and that helps. He could talk to anybody anywhere. And he built relationships with premiers and prime ministers. And Billy Hughes was a very important man. Uh, who helped him to develop the vision and made sure that even during the Depression years, uh, the federal government continued to support this very, very important enterprise of uh, flying doctors. Did uh, Flynn and Jeannie Beard ever have any children? No, they didn't. Flynn was married in 32. He was born in 1880. What does that make him? That makes him 52. So he was 52 and he was married. And I imagine that Jean Beard was round about the same age, younger, I don't know how much. No, they had no children. So when when did Flynn die? Flynn died in on the 5th of May, 1951, at the age of 71. And I assure you, from my perspective, he was only a boy. Australia is a pretty young nation compared to many around the world, and it's one with a rich heritage and a fascinating history. Many of our icons have been born out of a need and also quite regularly as a response to the diversity and vastness that this continent has. One of the pioneers that we've heard a lot about this year is Reverend John Flynn, a young Presbyterian minister who went on to have a lasting impact on our national identity. I've been chatting to the former Moderator General of the Presbyterian Church, Reverend Robert Benn, over the last couple of days about Flynn and discovered more about the man behind the legend. Robert, uh, we, we hear a lot now about the work that Flynn started and the way that it continues. The Presbyterian Church continues it through the Presbyterian Inland Mission. Mm-hmm. Um, the Uniting Church uh, took on the role of a successor organisation through their agency, Frontier Services. Yes. And even the Royal Flying Doctor Service these days, although not as uh, clearly associated with that history as once they were, still very much a part of that mantle of safety that, that John Flynn dreamed. Yes. What ways have you found that Flynn's vision inspired others? Matt, Flynn's vision inspired the church and the society and the wealthy and the poor right through his lifetime. Uh, for instance, who kept the flying doctor service in the air? It was the pastoralists and the agriculturalists and the state premiers, and uh, the federal parliament, and so on. And why was that? Because Flynn and his men and women would tell the stories and draw people into it. And the support just continued right through the years. Yes, it is true that the Royal Flying Doctor Service is no longer under the umbrella of the church, 
because in 1936, with concurrence of the church and the state sections which were being developed and then a central board, it was decided that that become a secular organisation and so it has continued to this day, still with the support of federal parliament and also with the support of, of supporting groups all over the country. There are also other people that we hear of, um, people like, as you've mentioned, Alf Traeger, um, people like uh, Hugh McKay, who became a, a superintendent of the Australian Inland Mission after Flynn. And there were many more after that who can trace their history back to Flynn. It wasn't Hugh McKay that became the superintendent after Flynn. That was Fred Mackay. Yeah, now I say McKay and Mackay because if you go to Sunshine where H.V. McKay was, they all say it was H.V. McKay and not Mackay. It was Fred Mackay who had been a part, one of the um, one of the padres. It was Fred Mackay who became the second superintendent. Two different guys, not not related. Which is is sometimes confusing. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Robert, you've done a lot of research. You you do a lot of uh, speaking engagements, and the reason I first found out about the research you've done is uh, through my mother, who forwarded me on the uh, the church newspapers from the Presbyterian Church in Queensland, where your articles have continued since April talking about some of the history of this person, John Flynn. What do you do with your research? You mentioned when we first spoke that it was initially as a response to a request from the RFDS about some of their history. What do you do with it now? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Matt, of course, church groups. But what fascinates me is that we're getting excellent invitations from uh, more Royal Flying Doctor Service groups from Shire Councils, from City Councils, from Rotary, from schools. For instance, I have about five schools lined up at the moment so that our young people will learn the history, and that will mean thousands of young people. But one of the best meetings we've had was in a place that, uh, very recently, one of the best meetings that we've had was in a place that I have never heard of before, uh, a place called Quirating in Western Australia. I still can't spell it. But it was due to the fact that I met a fellow in the Sydney airport and it was, what do you do, what do you do, kind of thing. And he said, when you come to Western Australia, come across to Quirating because we have a major Royal Flying Doctor Service base there. And so we went there, uh, inv invited by the Shire Council and Rotary holding hands at a meeting that was held in the showgrounds. And after the presentation of the Flynn story, with a whole lot of the church kind of terminology edited out, so I was talking countrymen's language, if you like. We had some of the best conversations, and many of those conversations were along spiritual lines. There is no resident minister in that town. So what am I doing with it? I'm booked up right through the year for all kinds of things. And it's, it's lovely to be both in the church and outside of the church in presenting the story. I mentioned uh, just a moment ago the articles that my mother has sent me from the uh, the church newspapers in Queensland. Um, these articles, have you plans for them to go into a book that people can access to, to find out more about the life of Reverend John Flynn? Two people who are involved in book publications uh, are talking to me about the prospect of putting that into a booklet so that it will be available. But um, even today, as I have, just before I talk to you, I have been working on the preparation of a DVD that will be publicised and made available hopefully within a few weeks now and that will carry on the, uh, carry on the telling of the story.
Well, Robert, it, it is fascinating, and there obviously is so much more that we could possibly look at, but unfortunately, we could spend days looking into it, as I'm sure you have at times, looking into the history of John Flynn. If people want to know more about where they can hear you or, or where they can uh, touch base with you and talk to you more about some of the uh, research that you've done, how can they get in touch? Is there a website that you've got set up? They can get in touch with me by email. I think that's the best idea, on rp. F Ben B E double N at gmail dot com. And uh, obviously, uh, if you're in an area where there's a Presbyterian church, you may be able to find out more from them if they've got Robert Ben coming to visit them sometime soon to speak sure. about the life of John Flynn. Yes, and there will be further publicity in the uh, church newsletters, church uh, publications in Queensland. Uh, New South Wales, Victoria and Western Australia. Robert Ben, it has been fascinating uh, conversing with you and and finding out more about uh, somebody who I have a lot of respect for personally, uh, Reverend John Flynn. At his death, Dr George Simpson, who was the medical advisor, said his was the greatest achievement for this Commonwealth in our generation. Prime Minister, who happened to be a Presbyterian as well, Sir Robert Menzies, said... Dr. Flynn possessed two qualities seldom found in one man. He had vision and the executive ability to get things done. He was a modern apostle, Paul. Even the Governor-General, Sir William Slim at the time. Flynn's hands are stretched out like a benediction over the inland. And then somebody else said, if you seek a monument to Flynn, look around you. There are more monuments to John Flynn than any other Australian of his time. Mm. And here's a final one. At the plaque at Maligal, where he was born, what we read when we go there is, quote, he spread a mantle of safety over inland Australia by aviation, radio and medicine and brought spiritual comfort, gladness and rejoicing. Across the lonely places of the land, he planted kindness and gathered love. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.